know, this is one of the most wonderful times of the year for me. You know, this is, this is car buying season for me. <laughs> every, every spring, you know, and I'm resisting the temptation. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm going to. But if I have a new car next week, don't, don't listen to what I'm saying. But, you know, uh, I just love this time of the year. I used to like it when I was a child, smell that green grass being cut and baseball season and all that. And, and uh, I, I, I wish I just even like, I'd like to go to a baseball game and enjoy it, but I don't enjoy that anymore. I, I enjoy other things, of course. But I want to talk to you this morning. What a, what a great word Yahweh has given to us. And uh, I, I, I got to tell you, there's a story. There's, I shared this story uh, Wednesday night. And I was praying the other day and just talking to Yahweh, meditating, however you want to verbalize it. And Yahweh says something to me that made me laugh my butt off. I'm telling you, I started laughing and I didn't know if he was kidding or not. <laughs> Get it? And this is what he told me. He told me about the nearsighted angel. Now, this might just be me making this up, but I believe I had these thoughts about a nearsighted angel. Oh, Reggie told me it was Abaddon, Gabriel, Michael, and Magoo. He said that, name will, that angel should be named Mr. Magoo. And so this nearsighted angel, what it is, see, when, when you're nearsighted, things that are in distance and far off are obscured, and they're blurry, and they can't make them out. And so I got this mental picture in my mind about this far-sighted angel that either I made up or Yahweh said it to me. I'm not quite sure, but it was funny. And I, I received it like Yahweh told, put that in my mind, and I couldn't stop laughing. Actually, I almost couldn't tell the story Wednesday night when I tried to retell it to the people that were here. And I, could, I, almost, I just started laughing. And I had to just compose myself. But it's like, you know, the Bible says Peter followed afar off. And so when the angel come to separate the wheat from the tares i hope you don't get the nearsighted angel because if you're following yahweh afar off he might assume you're a tear because those that are not tares are close to yahweh if you're in bar in a bar getting drunk and the nearsighted angel come he might mistake you for a sinner he might say no he that's a drunk in there he's just drinking if he comes to a room you're in filled with marijuana smoke, he can't see too good. He might come in there looking for the tares and the wheat to separate them. He might just assume you're a tear. Somehow that hit me sideways. That hit me real funny. I'm thinking about it. My God, I don't want Magoo, the nearsighted angel. <laughs> and I almost preached the whole thing on it, man. I, I exploded with thoughts and, you know. But it's been a wonderful word, and, of course, it gets so... I think it just gets deeper in me when I come on Wednesday nights and hear Joel regurgitate that, you know, and retell us and talk about it. it. It just, I leave here always blessed, edified. And that's not a commercial. That's just a fact. So I recognize that when I left modern Christendom, that my friend, I started preaching and they started hearing what I was preaching. I told them, you're mad at me now when you, when you, misunderstand what I'm saying, but you're really going to get mad at me when you understand what I'm saying. And the Bible talks about how, and, I, and, and this is what happened to me, when I started preaching this message, then I got shunned. I got avoided. I was dropped like a hot potato from people that I had years of friendship with. Man, they dropped me like crazy. They, they, they wouldn't eat with me no more. They wouldn't hang out with me no more. But guess what? Rightly so. 
Because that's what we do with people, and that's what the church is supposed to do with people who leave fellowship. It's part of the punishment of separation of their sin. You can't have a fellowship with Yahweh and God. You can't have fellowship with me. And that may be the best thing that ever happened to them, but that's the fact. And I don't preach on this much because, you know, people can't stand the Bible. I, 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 was, I was saying something the other day on Facebook. What was it I was saying? Oh, yeah, about God damning people. That God would God damn people and, and made them believe, uh, bring strong delusion upon them. I'm talking about God don't damn nobody. I said, dude, I'm quoting the Bible. I'm not just blatantly or, or flagrantly or, 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 or ignorantly just making this up. Paul said that God would bring damnation for those that receive not the love of the truth. But see, mo- those people out here, guys, I want to tell you they don't want to know who the real God is because they've made their own. Their, their God looks like them when they look in the mirror. That's who their God is. So anyhow, when these people shun me, the fact is I didn't want to be around them either. I couldn't be around them. I had no fellowship with them. I had nothing with them. Do you know that? The Bible says that if people come with another gospel, people that have left our church and got out of fellowship with us, people who are against maybe what we're saying and all, you know that we're not supposed to eat with them? You know we're not to bid them Godspeed? You know we're supposed to avoid them? We're not to invite them into our homes? Now, I know we don't like that. That goes against modern theology and, and our God who we do what we want to do. Do you know the Bible says if you do, you will become a partaker of their evil? And sometimes I wonder about people, you know, why is it that people are having still problems? Because we're fellowshipping with works of unrighteousness. Now, let me tell you this. This is not my message, but this is something that I think that Yahweh is, is trying to help us understand and the importance of what we're doing. And what we have to do as far as the testimony of Christ. I'm not mad at anybody. You know, I, I got accused one time somebody, you're just mad at people. You know, I'm, I mean, I love people. But the, my, the fact is this. If you keep getting invited to the party, so to speak, then I think you need to look at yourself. And I don't have anybody in my mind or think right now, I don't know. There's nobody in our church that I think is, is hanging out with people they shouldn't. I'm, that's what, or whatever. This is what I, I believe. You, you go do whatever you want to do, okay? You go do whatever you want to do. Because you have to answer the consequences. You want to live in sin this way or that, and if you prove that sin, I can't police that. But I do know this: if if you continue to get invited to the party, I'm jealous because nobody invites me to the party. Because our lives should convict people of their disobedience, of their lifestyle of sin, and their willingness to rebel against what we say we believe is the only way unto salvation. And so. I don't have to avoid people. I can drive up to a stoplight and one of those people beside me and they take off before the light turns green and you can see white smoke come out of the exhaust. If I'm in a grocery store, I can see people doing this. So I don't have to avoid people, they avoid me. (laughs) I'm glad you're back, I was talking bad about you. So I wonder about self-inflicting things. I wonder if we, are we, do we, are we already gonna, are we just gonna, uh, as Joel said, he preached before about, are we eating at a buffet? Where we're going to say, I want that, I want that, don't want that, going to have this, pick it for ourselves. I don't know. So let me tell you what, I've, sometimes I wonder why God picked me to do what he's called me to do. I've had, I've had people so concerned that I'm going to infect the whole world with a false doctrine. I said, dude, 
We only got about 16 at church. I've only got about a thousand Facebook friends, and, and most of them probably don't agree with me. Don't worry about me. I'm not that big of an influence. Matter of fact, I'm very insignificant. I found that out the day I realized who God really was. But at the same time, it's that relationship and what I've seen that gives me significance in the earth. Why, why did you choose me? There got to be people that could have done this better. Why did you choose a guy with a last name Snellgrove? It just isn't, don't flow off the tongue. And our next guest, Johnny Snellgrove. I guess my problem is, is I've had, I got a crooked nose because my name's Snellgrove. I've had so many fights. My daddy kept moving. I had to go back and, what's your name? <laughs> Snowgrove. Snowgrove. Yeah, that's it. I just say Johnny Cash now. Johnny Paycheck. I just say that. I'm not that organized. Why do you choose me? I'm not, I'm, there's people way smarter than me, man. There's more, pe there's people more eloquent with me. I mean, uh, what's his name? Jeff Foxworthy. He proves how southern people sound ignorant. Do you want an Englishman to be, do your surgery on your brain, or do you want somebody from Georgia? I'm going to tell you, most people think a preacher with an accent is smarter than other preachers. You know it's true, don't they? You have a, you know, a, a foreign accent, people think you're smart. I, I've, I've seen programs that talk about that. Well, you're not Chinese. You can't give me wisdom. I thought you were Chinese. Jeff Foxworthy said, wouldn't you hate to have a southern Georgia brain surgeon said, what we going to do, we going to cut a hole on top of your head and we going to get a stick and poke around in there and see if we can't get that thing out. I would want another surgeon. Why would you? Why? why? I, I've been so radical all my life. I've been called chaotic in school. I can go on and on. I'm not boasting in that. I hate to be thought of, of being something or someone that I'm not. I hate that worse than anything. I hate for somebody to say, yeah, but you, this is what you did or this is what you are. I, and it's not true. If it's true, I will tell you. I will say, yeah, that's absolutely true. But don't put that on me if it's not me. I, those things bother me. And I tell you what, I hate to be misunderstood. I am, and I'm talking about me because I'm really talking about you, okay? I am a man of passions, I am so passionate about stuff, man, you have no idea. And I can be very dramatic at times. Don't say nothing. Opinionated. Insecure. Smart aleck. Critical. Man, I need to stop. I'm going to need counsel here in this minute. And there's times, and at times, though it's momentarily, I still get afraid. I've been afraid, man. But it's momentarily now because I recognize it. But it's momentarily. But I get afraid still. But I'll tell you what I got. You can agree with or not. I know me. Some of you know me. I have courage. <laughs> I, ain't, I ain't scared. Even in, when I'm scared, I ain't scared. Even when I'm afraid, I have courage that overcomes the fear, and I'll just do it anyhow. You know what? That's a pretty good quality. I got all that other bad stuff maybe about me or hum, human aspects. When I began to find out how much courage I had, it began the day that my oldest son was born. You've heard the story. I'm not going to tell it all. It was through that process that I learned of Yahweh's love. And Yahweh's love empowered me to die to myself and to serve someone who I loved more than me. There's the principle. You learn to serve someone you love more than yourself. That's the whole deal right there. And I learned to serve those that I love more than myself. And I, I do say this, I will say this, I am a lover. My son came out. I didn't know him. 
I already had predetermined, though, in my mind. I predetermined that this baby, when he comes out, I am going to love that baby, and I'm going to live for that baby, and I'm going to die for that baby regardless, period, case closed. I'm committed. I predetermined that before I even knew him. I, I decided that. I decided that. Are you hearing me? When Yahweh began to deal with me about being a spiritual father, I still, see, I still think I'm young. Not as bad as Dick. Dick Rick Brinkley, you know, uh, Jeff was in there talking about an uh, 82-year-old woman being, being old. Dick got offended, didn't he, Jeff? Hey, wait a minute, huh? Whoa, wait a minute, old. What are you talking about old? When I moved here, Dick was about 33 or 34. Can you believe that, Ern? Oh, my God, that was a long time ago. And I knew that the responsibility of what that really means to be a spiritual father, it's taught me that one of the hardest things I would ever have to do is to grieve the loss of people who are still alive. i got to tell you, I know it hurts when people pass away. I think it also hurts when people pass away who haven't died through divorce and through broken relationship. That's painful. And I have to learn to not allow those events to keep me there with them in the past and this thing, you know, and live in that and to move on and take the feelings of sadness and depression and anger and guilt and a plethora of other emotions, like even murder. I just think I, I feel like killing him because it hurts so bad when people walk out of your life. I don't know what I'm talking about. Sure you do. And not allow those events and those people to prevent me from loving and fathering other people. And it's easy to just say, see how the King James says it, screw it, screw it. I'll just do what I'm doing and, you know. And I'm using a father today, but I'm going to talk about more. What I want to talk about is people who have courage. Being a, a father takes great courage, I think. <clears throat> You're a father. You have to be the standard. You have to enforce the standard, and you've got to be the one who always says no. That, that don't mean a mama won't. That takes courage, too. You have to be the standard. You have to enforce the standard and the one who says no. And that, don't, and that usually winds up meaning this. You're not going to be liked. And that's one of my worst problems because I love being liked. I want to be liked. I want people to like me. You have to bear the financial responsibility. Bottom line, God bless the, the, the wives that join with their husband and work together and, and they share that responsibility. I think that's a beautiful thing. You have to be, to be a parent, you have to sacrifice you got to abandon childish things. You can't be, you got to emotionally mature and quit being selfish. You can't afford to be needy, whiny. You can't complain. Well, let me say, you should not complain and show fear in front of your children and wife. See, all of this, I just open up and show, I'm just going to open my life and show. I don't think that's true necessarily. Because as a man of courage, I don't think you should show your fear. Your poor children. We used to have a guy come to our church every 10th of the month. The bills came due, and he'd bring his children up and line them up in their living room. We're not going to make it. To go. We're not going to sell our house. I mean, the whole thing over and over and over. I think it, it bred inconsistency in his children as they grew older. Not that they're not good people. That's not what I'm saying. You can't show fear in front of your children and wife. If something bad happens and you, you take off running and leave them there, that don't look good. To be a man of courage, you got to teach your, those that you're responsible for. And I think that your realm of responsibility and accountability is way beyond just house number two. It has to do with who you live with, who you, who you uh, 
have contact with, all, all that whole realm, that we have a responsibility to teach them that Yahweh is real and that He must be feared and obeyed. And you do that by the way that you live and the way I live. If we compromise by the way we spend our money, let me tell you what, your children know what's important to you. They know if God's big into you or not or that you really believe by the way you spend your money. Your wife knows how you really and what you really believe. And everybody else knows it. And even though they may love us, and even though they may say, okay, I agree with that doctrine. I mean, how can you not agree with it? That's what I'm saying. I mean, unless you just blatantly are just down by God to not be able and believe a lie. How can you not believe the gospel? It's so evident. How many of you say, my God, it just makes sense. There's the scriptures. But you can agree with the doctrine. But if they don't see someone who truly believes and doesn't compromise, then guess what? Your wife, your husband, your children, they will never truly believe, and they will also be humans of compromise. When we compromise Yahweh's requirements in front of our wife and children, what we do is we issue them a free ticket and a pass to justify them to do things their own way instead of being the standard, enforcing the standard. And this is something that's been in my heart big. I feel like Yahweh's, I believe Yahweh told me this, the, the nearsighted angel I'm not so sure about. The truth is true. When you treat Yahweh small, he is. If he's not the first and most important thing, then he won't be. So in our time of reset, while we're here in rehab, that's what this whole year has been again. We're, in, we're resetting. I can't lead us to this place that, of victory and overcoming if we can't ask ourselves this question. Are you courageous? Am I courageous? I may be this, 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 and this, but I want to tell you when it comes to things of God. And I think an honest answer for me in my whole life, if I look back, I say, you know, I haven't always been courageous. Or I haven't been as courageous as I want to be. And I want to explain to us what the, being courageous really is. And I, I almost don't like the word, you know, because it's alluded to in our time of superheroes or some kind of thing like that. I can give you some credit this morning. Because if you truly, deeply have, have repented, you have, to be duly, you have to be deeply and truly courageous to face the fact that you are nothing and God is everything. And out of that, you find your value because the God who is everything cares about you. Not only does it take courage to enter the race, to empty yourself, to, to die daily, to, to sacrifice your flesh, to turn away, to come to the end of yourself. That is difficult because what you do, all the things that really are your enemies come up because you get inferiority, insecurity, and all that. And the things that you really have always trusted in to accomplish things, those are the things that you can't trust in anymore. You have to trust in God. And it's difficult, not during the honeymoon, spiritually, but afterwards. It takes courage to repent, but I want to tell you, it takes even more courage to finish a race. Amidst all the, I mean, my God, the moral corruption and confusion in a world rebellion and misery. I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's crazy out there. I would like to know what the girl who shot three children and the three adults in that Christian private school, I want to know what kind of hormone she was on to try to become a man and how that affected her poor brain. Y'all hearing me today? 
You may tell you how deluded people are who come not to the love of the truth. Let me tell you what. A man can look in the mirror and say he's a woman now. And believe in his brain that somehow he's a woman or wants to be or so confused. And people are more confused than that. Or the, the older people and adults who think a child has the mental ability to make that decision even if they are in confusion. But I say this. Worse than that are people who have not received the love of the truth and God has brought delusion upon them and they think they're Christians and they're not. Or they think sin's okay and it's not. That's way worse than a sex change operation. And I'm not saying it's not wrong because it is. And I said that just to fluster some people today who, <laughs> I'm like that too. See, I, I, people think it takes courage to disobey a law. I'm going to break the law. Let's, I take courage. Let's go rob that bank. That takes courage. I'll tell, you, it, I'll tell you what, the contrary is true. It's much easier to ro rebel than it is to obey. It's easier to follow society and its customs and its tradition than to stand firm for what's right in God's sight in the midst of this wicked, perverse generation that is attacking us and molding our minds from all sides and making promises to us that aren't as powerful and as fulfilling as what Joe Biden is telling you. And I'm not even political. I could say any other politician, but I'm kissing up to Republicans right now. I'm going to kiss up to the Democrats in a little while. Did I tell you I was running for mayor? Just plainly, look, it takes courage to be a true Ecclesian. <laughs> yeah, it does. It takes courage to be a true Ecclesian. Let me tell you what courage is when you act against fear. I wake up every morning with a mindset that tells me this. The whole world's against you, Johnny. Even Christians are against you. Church people are against you. They, the whole, everybody's against you, Johnny. They think you're out of your mind. Johnny, every, they think you're out of your mind. And it, sometimes I have to say, am I? am I? Am I on a tangent here? Am I just going to say black because everybody says white? Am I, is that just who is in me? I wake up every day with the pressure of that. But I'll tell you what, it ain't going to stop me from doing the right thing. And you're going to wake up every day with some kind of pressure on you to not do what God says do. But a man of courage is going to do it anyhow. I don't care what I feel like. Well, you know what? Don't make me feel good. So what? Suck it up, buttercup. Ain't that what you say? It's just a thing, chicken wing. Ain't that what you say? Joel's got a book out right now. It's this thick. How can you stop being fearful? How can you get rid of your fears? Do you replace them with something positive? worthwhile and more powerful. I tried it. It don't work. It may work for you. I don't know. I've seen other people try. I haven't yet to see it work yet. A courageous person does what Yahweh wants him to do, regardless of the consequences. That's how you get rid of fear. I ain't, I ain't afraid. I ain't going to be afraid. I'm going to run. It, it's just like the little Jack Russell that lives down the street from Dick Brinkley. And they put this electric fence under the ground. And he put a shock collar on that little Jack Russell, Joey. And that dog, I've had three Jack Russells. They are smart, but they think they're this big. And he knew where the shock line was. And this is what that dog would do. I've seen him do it three times. He'd, he'd, do, it like, he'd do it like that and just take off and run, run through. And take the, he'd take the shock, and then he'd just walk down the street just like this. That's how they walk. He didn't say, there's a shock thing there. Boo-hoo, bow-wow. He, he just said, what's this? That's courage. You're going to do the right thing. You're going to do it. You're going to act against fear. You're going to do 
what Yahweh wants you to do, regardless of the consequences. If the world be against me, if God is for me, I don't care. I may emotionally care. I may have pity parties and care. And I may, <laughs> poor me, the whole world's against me. I can do all that because our flesh likes that. It's called suckling. They want a passy. <laughs> feel bad for me. Feel bad for me. I ain't feeling bad for you. I've been to other places. You ain't got it bad. I don't mean bad things don't happen. You know, I have a strained vocal cord, so maybe I should slow down a little bit. Yahweh has given me hope of me getting my well done. You ready for this? Maybe some of you need to grab a hold of this for your, your scripture of the week. It says, 1 Corinthians 1.27, Yahweh has chosen the foolish. I'll take it. He's chosen the foolish and, watch this, the weak. Dude, I, I know I'm not strong in the, the, the circumstances of life and what life is. Nobody's strong. It'll bring, bring you down. It'll bend your knee. I don't care who you are. Life is going to bend your knee. He said he chose the foolish and the weak, things of the world, to confound those who are mighty in their own eyes. Now I see why I'm your boy. Now I see why I'm your man. You chose right, Yahweh. I'm foolish and weak, but I will tell you, I will choose you no matter what the consequences are every time. I'm not boasting in me, y'all. I'm talking about me, but I'm talking about you. See, on your own, you can't do, you can't do anything, really. I started to say you can't do much. You, I mean, you can, you can make some things happen. In America, you don't need God to make money. You know that. That's the drug dealers. That's the porn industry. Even the places worse than that, ask the banks. You can make money, man. The fact is, we don't have any real power and we don't have any real wisdom. The wisdom of this world can't do nothing. It all, it's going to all die. You accumulate some stuff, but you don't even get to keep that. It's been all these years making mortgage payments. I don't even get to keep it. Somebody else is going to be, my next door neighbor sold their house. Somebody else is living in their house now. They spent all those years making payments on that house and somebody else lives in it. But let me tell you what the Bible says. That with God's help and the power of his spirit, I can do all things. All things, what all things? All things that he wants me to do, I can do. So to be among the foolish and the weak of the world is no excuse for us to live in fear because God hasn't given us the spirit but of power, love, and a sound mind. It takes courage to overcome fear. You can't lay around and just pray your way out of it. You have to believe God. You have to quit living worldly. Because all you're doing is nothing except backsliding. And you're getting further and further away. The Spirit of God will bear fruit in you. The Spirit must express, and it will, through us, love, joy, peace, goodness, all, all of those things that I'm not, I'm not are covered pretty much in the fruit of the Spirit. Every insecurity, every fear, every all that. And God is working in me now, and He is bearing that fruit, and it is overtaken that the uh, works of the flesh. And is, I should say it is overtaking. It makes me not want to have that. It makes me sick to my stomach if I don't please him. And I believe that courage is at the root of every spiritual fruit. For example, it takes courage to love somebody who hates you. Anybody have somebody who hates you? They say they don't hate you, but they sure talk about you like they do. It takes courage for me to, because I, I tell you what I want to do. I'm sharp-tongued, and I'm sharp-witted, and I'm quick-witted. And I'm like, say, like the angel of the Lord. 
Oh, you're gonna, you, you're gonna, you want to do this with me? I don't think you want to do this with me. You're going to say all that about me? Don't you know I'm the one you come confessed all of your whatever's to in every secret in the dark? Oh, I could, I could write a book about people. Courage makes me love. I have the courage to love for people who hate us instead of wanting to get them back. It's easy to have a cheap shot on somebody of a weakness that you know they have and a hurt and a pain that they have. One time I saw a man trying to hurt another guy, and he took a shot at the man's dad. It was low blow, man, low blow. It takes courage not to respond. And the man said nothing to him to try to get him back. And the guy who took the cheap shot said this, Oh, you think you're Mr. Spiritual, don't you? I said, No, I'm just a Christian. That was before, that's when I was a Christian. I tell you, I've learned it takes courage to express joy in times of sorrow. It takes courage, man. It takes courage to have peace of mind in the midst of turmoil and testing and storms. It takes courage to be patient or to show kindness or goodness and faithfulness and to practice self-control. We first said yes to this gospel. Do you know how much courage it took for you to at least even consider what I was preaching and teaching you? Because it went against everything that I was like, oh, no. Oh, I'd sit it there at night in my chair in the middle of the night, and I'm like, oh, crap. Excuse me. Excuse me. Oh, no. Oh, oh, this, but don't let this be true. Don't let it be true. Don't let it be true. Because if it's true, I knew that I had the courage to say it, no matter what the consequences would be. But don't let that be true. <laughs> when you, that starting point, and I shared it with you, guess what you did? You had courage like me. <laughs> you had courage like me to say, hmm, don't let it be true. <laughs> but yet, if it is, I got the courage to believe it. Then Yahweh began to require us to change our habits. He required us to change the way we think. He required us to change the way that we live and believe and have hope for and dreams. And I'll tell you, it takes courage to walk away from your dreams. I want to tell you what happened to my dream. I had dreams, man. I had dreams. I had them. And I'll tell you, most of my dreams came to pass for me when I was young. I, I, and, but I want to tell you this. My dream didn't survive the cross. So I had to move from my dream to his dream. And that is that he was going to take one man who was righteous and without sin to start and replenish the earth again. To start a new creation of beings. That's his dream. So I'll, what do I do? Now I'm part of that dream. Now it's my dream has become his dream. And his dream has become my dream. And what I do, I want his dream to come to pass. Because my dream is to make his dream come to pass. And that is to be one of those. Yeshua being the first of many sons, I want to be one of those many. I don't want to be of the first Adam. Change your habits, your ways of living, your thinking. I'll tell you what, that takes courage. That takes courage because the way we used to think and all that, we were so sin-minded and our sin was just habits. And that's just the way we did it. But guess what we did? We stepped up and said, well, wait a minute. No, I'm standing up to you, sin. I'm standing up to you, thought life. I'm standing up to you way I used to spend my money and think and live and dream. Uh-uh, no, I ain't doing that no more. That takes courage. It takes courage to say no to uh, the ways that, that fulfilled us in our lives. No, I'm not doing that. No, honey, I'm sorry. No kids, I'm sorry. No church, I'm sorry. No friends, I'm sorry. No, we, I don't do that. 
I don't do that. I've changed my way of thinking. I've changed my way of living. He said, I want you to turn away from sin. And it takes courage to do that. Because sin is one bad mamma jamma. True? Sin will get you and wring you out, turn you every which way but loose. Sin will do this. Sin will let you get away or give up on one sin, but get you with another one. <laughs> oh, trying to think of the word I'm looking for. What is it when you, oh, yeah. oh covetousness, my favorite sin. Well, I don't do this sin anymore. Sin will let you, he'll, sin will set you free from this sin as long as you'll keep committing this one. It takes courage. Yeshua came with a message that said this, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. When God called you to repentance, and he called me to repentance, he asked us through his word to first sit down and count the cost, just like the builder of a tower to see if it's, we have, Luke 14, 28 says, sufficient to finish it. He didn't say, are you, are you, do you have enough to start the job, Johnny? Do you have enough to start? But he said, do you have what it takes and the courage to finish this? What did Yahshua say? He says, it's finished. He didn't, say, he didn't come out and say, it started. And that's what a lot of people will do. They will start with courage all along the way. I've tried to tell you that you're going to have to face trials. You're going to have, to have, pro you're going to have problems. Both repenting of your sins and believing in the gospel, especially us, requires, I think, courage. But I want to say this, any change you have in life takes courage. That's why we need the power of the Holy Spirit and the fellowship of the ecclesia. Because the life of the Spirit that we receive, the illustration I gave you the other week was the person that has the key to the solution of your problem is another member of the body. Life comes from other members of the body. Those that bring the blood, those that pump the blood, those that, I mean, we can go through the whole illustration. Yahshua faced persecutions and condemnations, and he wasn't, and he was totally innocent of any sin. And I get criticized in the minute way that I am, and really there's not many people that will even say it to my face. But any supposed criticism, imaginary criticism that I may feel or think, what do I expect? Yahshua was persecuted and criticized and killed. And he was perfect. My God, I should expect a little bit of those things. Fair enough. He was innocent of any sin. Look at Stephen, the first Christian martyr. <laughs> Dude, it, it, it inspires me. He was facing death, and he didn't hesitate to proclaim Yahweh's message and tell all the people of their sins. <laughs> they, were, they had rocks in their hand. All right, what are you going to say? What are you going to say now? Huh? Say it. Say it. He said it. That's what he said. Now, here's what people, the Bible called them stones. To me, you got pebbles, you got rocks, you got stones. Okay? 36 100 fold. This is what he said while they're all standing around him with these rocks. You stiff necked people. <laughs> Bad dude, man. Think about it. He didn't say, you're all saved by grace. And God don't care what you do. Put down those stones. You uncircumcised, uncircumcised in heart and ears. <laughs> Uh, it's a mental picture. You always resist the Holy Spirit just like you're just like your daddy. Your fathers did. So do you. Which of the prophets did not your fathers persecute? And they killed those who announced beforehand the coming of the righteous one whom you have now betrayed and murdered. <laughs> Gee. 
Do y'all realize what Stephen's doing? I always thought Stephen was a soft guy. Oh, that's Stephen the deacon, Joel. We got Paul, we got Peter, we got it, and we got little Stephen over there. And then I'm like, this dude, this guy was courageous. He said, whom ye have now betrayed and murdered. You received the law as delivered by angels and did not keep it. They would have stoned him today too, just not with rocks. Would you have this type of courage to face your persecutors and look them in, their eye, them in their eyes and proclaim the truth, even though it may cost you your life? Some of us don't want to get our little feelings hurt, or maybe these people may think we're nuts, or they may not like me, me, me. Man, he died for the truth. He died for the gospel. He died for Yeshua's message. To believe in the kingdom of God in a world that rejects Yahweh requires faith. But faith without courage ain't faith. It's just a mental assent. Oh, he, he must have believed it. He was willing to get up there and get his butt whipped, get his feelings hurt. It's courage, bro. How about Abraham? Abraham was fully convinced. <laughs> the Bible says that God is able to do what he said he's going to do, and we have to act accordingly. And when you do that, that's when your righteousness your faith, excuse me, will be reckoned to us as righteousness. What do you do when you have a serious problem? Do we pray? Do we trust God is waiting actively and not passively? Is it to have faith and say, look, I'm going to trust you with this. You can't do that if you haven't been trusting God all this other time. If you made God small, guess what? He's going to be small in that situation. If you don't fear the Lord, then your situation will not fear the Lord. So don't expect it to be different. But courageous people have already made a choice, and they are serving God in the face of adversity, and they don't care what happens. They will not bow down. That's the way they believe it. They're fully persuaded. I believe obedience to Yahweh sets me apart from the world. I believe if we obey God, we're not only are we set apart from the world. When I say that, guys, I mean from the way the world believes, thinks, and acts, from sinful, sinfulness. Listen to this. It protects me. That's what I believe. It makes my life happier. It has made my life more abundant. It makes me courageous and it brings me closer to Yahweh. And Yahweh loves courageous people because it takes faith to please him. One of the things that I don't like, I mean, I love loyalty. I just think loyalty's a great attribute. I just, don't you like loyalty? Don't you love it? Some people are so loyal. You know, you can be loyal to an insane asylum. You know that, right? And sometimes loyal is a, is a problem to help people get delivered from things they needed to be delivered from. But listen to what he, the Bible says. I have been young, and now I'm old, and I have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. He is ever merciful, and lendeth, and his seed is blessed. I got to tell you, Yahweh's never forsaken me, and that ain't because of me. I've never been hungry. My wife and I were talking the other day, and she said, you know, I can't ever remember a time where we didn't have plenty. I said, one of the reasons why is because I never told you, because that's what courageous people do. Oh, honey, you need to pray. Well, that may, may come to that. Yahweh never let us be hungry, and he never didn't bless us to a place that even when we had nothing. I was telling Reggie, play golf with me Friday, and we were talking, and I was telling him about, you know, when I was traveling, I had a heart for, to go to Columbus and preach at Eastside Assembly, Riverview, although those people $50 me to death. We stayed with her, 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 her dad, so I didn't have any expense that way, and... Uh, 
went back to, came back to Ocala. We lived on in Linwood, Lin, Lindale, Mobile Home Park, lot 215. I didn't have a dollar. And I had no, I had no, I didn't have a dollar. Not a dollar. Got home on just, had just enough gas to get back here. My, my house payment was 287.56. I missed that. You can't buy a shed for that. Can you? And even at that young age, maybe I was just too stupid, foolish, weak. But I wasn't afraid. I'm, again, I'm not boasting in me. I want to, I'm, I'm hoping, like Paul tells his stories and people tell, you know, I'm telling things that might have been a testimony to the goodness of God. So we had a post office box in Silver Springs. So I went there because people who, who wanted to send money to us, like maybe if we met somebody to where I preached or something like that, I always gave them that post office box at Silver Springs address. And I had an old post office there. I told Bevy, I said, I'm going to go, <clears throat> go check the mail. I drove. And at Lindale Mobile Home Park, they have mailboxes that go way, there's like too, too high, and they go, I mean, it goes a long way. All these mailboxes there. So I was hoping, man, something was going to be in that mailbox in Silver Springs. Nothing. So I get in my Chevette, shove it, I mean Chevette. I don't know, that might have been the Holy, the Holy Spirit van, Joel. I can't remember. So I said, well, I might as well check my bills. And I didn't want to check my bills. It came to lot 215. So I went in there, and there's envelopes in there. And I get a letter, and on the front, it's handwritten. And the, hand, the writing is like, you know how some old people used to write? You know, it's like, just, just like Jethro Bodine. You don't know who that is, you know? I, I mean, he, it, was, it was like writing, not a person that was ignorant, but they just weren't good, didn't have good penmanship. So I opened it up, and they couldn't write good penmanship on the outside of that thing. But I want to tell you what. That lady wrote the number 1,000 in that box perfectly for me. $1,000 to me back then was nuts. I mean, that was like a lottery. Of course, we blew it all the next week, but besides that, no. <laughs> but I can tell you that he's never forsaken me. And I've messed up and all that, but I want to tell you what I never did. I never quit. And when I fall down, I would get up because I was not going to allow fear you know these prophets of old you just read the bible man these guys when god told joshua to begin the battle to enter the promised land this is what he said to him i i figured you was going to sing this today joel since we're usually on the same page here but this is what he said be strong joshua and be of good courage in other words don't be scared i'm with you do not be afraid. Do not. But see, we have to nurture that because now we've dumbed God down to this. And he knows you dumbed him down because you treat him like he's dumb and he don't know what's going on in your life. Instead of reverencing him and honoring him and worshiping him and realizing how big a God you have the opportunity to have a relationship with. Man, the apostles, man, these guys, they just, they just blow me away. I'm, I'm ashamed. Especially after they got baptized in the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost. I tell you, it wasn't easy for them to preach the gospel because there were continuous threats and persecutions. I mean, they were going to get killed for doing it. They had to choose, okay, are we going to obey God or are we going to obey man? In Acts 5.28, listen to what happened. They got arrested and they said, we charged you not to teach in this name. That wasn't Jesus, by the way. It was Yeshua. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood upon us. The answer Peter and the other apostles gave was this. We ought to obey God rather than men. That's my, that's my motto. 
I ought to, I ought to obey God rather than men. I ought to obey God rather than sin. I ought to obey, obey God rather than my, the lust of my flesh. I ought to rather. You realize that someday you may have to give the same answer? I doubt if we're ever going to have any kind of persecution like that because none of us are out there preaching in that name. Some of us are scared to say it. Well, you know, I'm G Jesus. I'm not ashamed of him. I like to say Yeshua. Hebrews 11, man, they call it the faith chapter. Let's and and, and it, talk about faith. It does. All the people therein live by faith, but that required much courage. They didn't simply pray for God's help. They acted and fought as Christians should. I mean, they were killed by the sword. They were thrown in lion's dens. They were, I mean, going and on. They, they said, I don't care. I'm not going to bow down here. I, you're, throw me in if you want to, but you're not going to break me. What about King David? Think about the first thing that comes to my mind, you know. I think about, okay, he wrote the Psalms, you know. I mean, I can't help but think about his sins. He, he, had, he had problem with sins. I mean, he killed, he killed Bathsheba's husband so he could commit adultery. Can I tell you this? It cost him five children. He killed her husband, and God basically killed his five children because you're not going to avoid the consequences of your sin. When I was a young man, I was hell-bent on doing everything that the church forbid me to do. Because if they forbid it that much, I want to tell you that I wanted some of that. Don't smoke, Johnny. Oh, I'm going to get me some cigarettes. Joel's the one started me smoking. He had to deal with the guy at the store. Don't get drunk. Oh, I'm going to get drunk. Don't do that. Oh, oh I'm gonna, I wanted it. It was such a forbidden thing. They made, it, they made me desire it. And I want to tell you, I jumped in there and I did it. But guess what? I'm still scarred from it today. I still have scars from it today, still fighting some stuff. But I do think of David as a man of courage because I don't forget the attitude that he had when the other Israelites was frightened in the presence of the giant. And I ain't talking about Andre. This is what David said. Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Where did David get this assurance and this confidence? He was still a young dude, man. He wasn't an old man. He didn't have Goliath's strength, his height, his weight, his armor, his weapons. But he had something that I want to tell you that I am wanting to develop more and more in my life. And that is courage. He told the king this. Where did I get it from? I Thy servant kept his father's sheep. There came a lion and a bear and, a, and took a lamb of the flock. And I went out after him. And I smote him and delivered him out of his mouth. And when he rose against me, I caught him by his beard. And I smote him and I slew him. Because I ain't scared. He ain't taking my baby. He said, Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. I want to tell you what gives me confidence and assurance and courage that I can defeat my enemy and, and the sins of my flesh and those that so easily beset me. You want to know how? Because I've defeated his, his brothers. I've defeated it in the past. I've overcome it here. God has given me the power and the desire, and I've, I know I can overcome this. And if I can overcome this, I know. I don't care. It may look bigger. I, I, would be, I don't know who would be more afraid of, a lion, a bear, or a giant. I don't know. This is what he said to the Philistine. You come with me a sword and a spear and with a shield. Okay? That's a pretty good arsenal, I would say. But I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. 
This day will the Lord deliver thee into my hand. We have not really, maybe I should teach on it more. Maybe you should research it more of the God of the armies of Israel. This side of who God is. This guy, this, I preached it last week. Yahweh, the God of the armies of Israel, is a bloody God. People don't like hearing that. People, oh, your God's a bloody God. Yeah, he sure is. I and you and everybody has some kind of giant and some kind of Goliath in their life. It may not be the same one, but over time, we have to face different giants. I have. Some people have sicknesses. Some people have poverty. Some people have trials and sufferings. You could put a label on it. It doesn't really matter. Noah was a man of integrity. He was a courageous man. He was righteous before God. He lived in a world of corruption and sin, just as we today, maybe more so. I don't think it was easy for him to stand up against the crowd, the whole world, and do what God told him to do. Obviously, it was just him against the whole world. Kind of how I feel, and, it's, and I know it's not that, but sometimes you feel, man, nobody wants to hear this. Nobody, they think I'm crazy. They think I'm out of my mind. They think this, you know, all this kind of stuff. But, but my courage, don't let that bother me. And it's not that really that big of a deal. Not like Noah. And he took many, many years to build the ark. And the whole time he was building this ark, he was heckled and mocked. Can you imagine it? I think I have it pretty easy, and you too. They kept on ridiculing him. They thought it was foolish to expect this flood when there even wasn't a sign of one in sight. And some people believe that, and I've been studying the book of Amos lately and how, how Amos is prophesying against Israel and revealing to them, look, you, you guys are messing with the wrong God here. And how these people lived at the bottom of Mount Hermon. Remember the Bible says, oh, uh, it's like the dew that flows from Hermon. And they lived in this city at the bottom of Mount Hermon. And it was lush with green, greenery and agriculture and, and all kind of stuff. Because the, the, they say that the, the, you know, the Bible doesn't mention rain. And, I mean, you know, the rain didn't come till Noah's time. And that the, they, the earth was irrigated from the ground. But on Hermon... The dew was so heavy every morning, it would roll down almost like a waterfall. And it just brought such a, a refreshing and life to that valley that that city was in. And so, you know, to know what kind of flood it was, I don't think he was in a position to be where the, where the dew was and maybe not in a position. So they, they just couldn't comprehend this thing. And he's trying to tell them, I'm building an ark for a flood. Well, what is an ark? It's a big boat. Well, what is a boat? <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know. I'm sure it's confusing. But no, but Yahshua compared Noah's time with the present world. And God tested Noah's patience in a world that just, was just as corrupt as we're living in today. People deny God. They break his laws. They defy his authority. They just don't even believe it matters. They don't think there's any consequences. And usually during our testing is when people lose courage. And I want to warn us, now is the time God is testing your faith. He's testing our patience. He's testing our courage. As a member of Yahweh's Ecclesia, judgment has begun in the house of God. In the days of Noah, he was the only one righteous in the earth. Do not lose courage, but be strong and be courageous 
in this time of testing. Now, my whole life has been a time of testing. Just like Noah, the ecclesia must be spotless. And i got to tell you something, my friend. When you came to me last week, I saw your concern. How can you not have it? But I believed in my heart that you were going to be fine. Some people get sick. I don't have that assurance, but some people I do. And I believe that it is a testimony and a prophetic sign to this house that you are spotless and that we are to be spotless. I got a spot on me. Hallelujah, Mike. God's removing the spots off of us. And these are bad spots, you know what I'm saying? So I believe I was so excited when you took me over there. You know, you took me over there, and even though you, you were broken, and I, I mean, you almost looked like you was going to tell me bad news, but I knew I would hear no bad news out of you, brother. I know this right now, that just like you're spotless, we are going to be spotless. That Noah preserved to the end, he did not weaken. We too are going to preserve to the end, and we will not weaken because we're courageous and strong. Whatever is going on, we're going to serve God, and we are going to be convinced that he's going to deliver us. I can't tell the story without talking about three Hebrew children thrown in the fiery furnace. But you're going to have the opportunity to prove that you're not going to serve other gods. You're not going to worship the golden image. Even if God chooses not to deliver you, you've got the courage to say, you're, I'm not bowing down. That's the kind of people that God is making this new creation out of. Of course, last of all, Paul, you know his story, man. What a, what a guy. But i got to tell you, he labored more than the other disciples. He worked harder. He suffered more than any of them. And he, most of his writings, these epistles he wrote, make up most of the New Testament. And you know what Paul's writings reflect most? Grace. Faith. Yeah, undoubtedly. Love. That's for sure. Of course, he talks about love. Obedience, yes. But I'm going to tell you what I have found. Above everything the Apostle Paul talked about was courage. Paul ran the race of life. He fought a good fight. He kept the faith. He ran a good race. And I think, and I don't know everything, but I think if anybody got a well done, Paul will get his well done because of all that he courageously gave up. I mean, he gave up his family. I mean, he lost his family. He didn't really get up. They, they, avoid, they kicked him out, basically. I want us to remember this when we leave here today. It takes courage to win. What, what was Paul's secret here? He tells us. First of all, we learn from him that a true Christian isn't going to live with no problems or no difficulties. You're going to have that. Is it true? He says you're going to be tested and you're going to be proven. And 2 Corinthians says, 4, eight, that we must withstand affliction in every way without being crushed. So far, I've made it. I haven't been crushed yet. I've been through all kinds of afflictions and hurts and pains and suffering. And they may not be as bad as you, but they, mine are bad as, to me as they are. Yours are to you. Some people think yours are not as bad as theirs. Well, our, we, our, our problems are all bad. Paul said, I'm perplexed, but I'm not going to be driven to despair. I'm persecuted, but I'm not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. But I have the marks of the Lord on my body. Because I'm a man of courage. Struck down, but not destroyed. Hallelujah. Man, we don't have to be shaken by anything. It takes courage to have this attitude and to overcome. Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 6, we are treated as imposters, but yet we're true apostles. We're treated as unknown, but yet we're well-known. As dying, but look, we are alive. 
as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor not yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. If we are true ecclesiastes, that's the way that we must live and think. We got to get back on the wagon. We've fallen off and becoming like the world, thinking like the world, believing, wanting, desiring like the world. Nothing should separate us from God or the ecclesia. No difficulty, no trouble, no persecution, not anything or anyone. Yahweh loves us and he will always protect us. He will always watch over you. His hand will be upon you. Some of you have done stupid stuff in your past, but Yahweh's hand was on you, preparing you for what he wanted you to do now. Yahweh will lead us to victory if we will only trust him, if we'll only yield to him. We'll only be courageous. 1 Corinthians 16, be watchful. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous. Be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. What a tremendous warning for us today and a strong encouragement for us today when we leave this place that we may have all these issues, but we're not going to bow down to any of them. Yahweh, thank you for being so faithful. Thank you for Mike this morning. The healing power of Yeshua. No cancer. Hallelujah. I thank you for that. The reality of your word. And I thank you as a testimony and a prophetic similitude to this house. That he is spotless in his lung. That you want your church to be spotless. God bless y'all.